All right. Hello, everybody. I know it's been a while, but we're back with another episode of the Unified Rules of Podcast. And this is actually episode 50. This is a pretty big, uh, this is a pretty big milestone for us here, Edmund. Woo! We made it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to be honest, I don't really want to go too long with the preamble. It's just, I don't know, life kind of gets in the way sometimes and kind of go through a little bit of a discovery process. But, hey, we're here and there's a particular reason why we're back. And this is something that you remember I was reaching out to you about this. I was telling you that I wanted to do something special for our 50th episode. And as you uh, like I told you, this weekend is the UFC's 30th anniversary year. So basically what we're doing here is we're going to do our top 20 best fighters ever. Sounds like fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's to be honest, that was one of the things that kind of got me excited about doing this series or that that was something that I was excited about because it, it just I don't know, you know, it, I I was curious to see what you kind of looked for or what you I guess who you kind of valued or considered as a really great fighter. So it was kind of good to go through your list and just to kind of give the the listeners an idea of how we went about this. Edwin and I we both made our own lists and then from there we kind of saw okay who did we have in common who did we like who were some of the people that we both had so obviously they would go in and then from there we kind of agreed on a couple people and that's how we came up with a collective list for the unified rules of podcast so we're gonna start with number 20 and we're just gonna work our way to number one and this is going to be a series of episodes. We're not going to go through all the, the people in this one episode. We're just going to devote each episode to a particular person. So we're going to go from 20 to number one. And we're starting with the legend himself, the one who started it all, Hoist Gracie. I put him as number two. I, I feel like on any list, he almost has to show up. In mm -hmm. the world of MMA, you know, because he's the guy that basically started it all. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is a good point. And that was, you know, just full discrepancy or full disclosure. Hoist Gracie was not on my top 20 list. But the reason he was one of the people from Edmund's list that I was that I agreed to put on just because I felt as though for someone who basically started this whole thing. And for a pioneer, you have to include him in there. The only reason he wasn't on my list was because he would be in my top 30, but not top 20. And the only reason I do that is because there are other fighters who are more, in my opinion, who were more accomplished than Hoist Gracie. And that's just virtue of the, the, the time of the sport that Hoist Gracie was in. It wasn't about championships and st stuff like that. So that's why there's not like a clear indicator or measuring stick for me to include him, but he would be in my top 30. But like I said, I felt as though as a pioneer and the guy who started it, we need to include him in there. Yeah. I mean, I can agree with what you're saying. 
in in what aspects well it's like if you compare him to like any fighter today like i feel like any any like top 10 contender could probably like whoop hoist gracie's ass you know what i mean right right but you you have to take into consideration if it's under the modern rule set of mma then yes but if it was more of the rule set of for instance ufc one then it probably would be a different story do you really think so i don't know like um it's just so different everybody's just no Everybody knows so much more today, you know? Right, like, right. I mean... Everybody has a more balanced ground game. Everybody has a more smarter striking game. The wrestling's so much better. Yeah. I mean, I put Hoist on the list just because at the time he was fighting and it was just... It was like the wild, wild west. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. You didn't know who you're going to fight. I guess the only thing you did know was like nobody knew ground submissions except for like a small handful of like catch wrestlers. Yeah. But other than that, like you you really didn't know who you're going up against. Yeah, yeah. Uh I mean, well, that was part of the whole mystery. And to be honest, that was part of the mystique with UFC one, because UFC one and I, I figure I should say this is that even though there were some beginnings of mixed martial arts in Japan in the late 80s going into the early 90s, the beginning of U.S. MMA was with UFC 1. And I think that's part of the mystique. I mean, I don't know. Now that I think about it, I, there's there was a lot of mystique and intrigue going into UFC 1 just in the sense of, okay, we're actually going to find out which of these martial arts styles is the best and nobody knew about jujitsu at the time of UFC one. So that, that kind of, I guess that kind of amplifies of the fact of, okay, who are you going up against? What are you going to face? And that I feel was extremely applicable to Hoist Gracie because I mean, probably they, what's, what's the common story is that, Hey, you see this skinny Brazilian guy wearing a gi and you don't really think much of him. Yeah, but also, wasn't he like six foot or something? Let me pull up his stats. I'm just like, well, I I rewatched. He was skinny, but like, right, right. Still like uh, a big well, guy. I think I think he's six one. Like, double check that for me. But I believe he's yeah, six one. Okay, because I rewatched the uh, the Matt Hughes fight from UFC sixty. So that's why I'm like, oh wait, he's six one. Yeah, I'm and, just like the only. He's like six one and skinnier you know what i mean but it's like, yeah well, well that, that's guy. that yeah i mean that that's an interesting prospect because i feel like we've kind of talked about this in other episodes where we're saying that the the common uh what, what is it the legend is that okay hoist was such a small guy and he was able to beat all these people and honestly we've also talked about how basically ufc one was a big infomercial for gracie jiu-jitsu so I I I guess I kind of wonder is that has that been a little bit exaggerated? I think as time goes on, we're definitely demystifying jujitsu. But 
yeah i don't is it, it's still just like the whole fact that back then nobody knew what was going you know nobody knew what was going to happen and the yeah. fact that you know he set that standard and basically i don't know like you could say change martial arts i don't think he quote unquote change martial arts as much mm-hmm. as he created a new fighting sport in terms of mma and basically updated everybody's self-defense tactics you know yeah yeah i mean to be honest there's a there's a bigger discussion to have as far as and it, just on a quick side note you may hear some noise in the background they're just like getting ready to do work over there and such so if you hear like and this is just for the listeners too is that if you hear some voices or some noises back there that's what's going on um there's some work going on um but i i i kind of feel like that's a little bit of a larger discussion talking about the mythos of ufc 1 just because I guess kind of looking into it, I kind of have questions myself where the way that Gracie Jiu-Jitsu was presented is that that's the best martial arts discipline and that's the supreme martial art discipline and all other ones, I don't want to say suck, but are ineffective. But I'm not so sure if that's necessarily the case given how maybe UFC one or the early UFCs were favored for perhaps Gracie Jiu Jitsu. And I don't want to, I don't want to throw accusations like, Oh, it was rigged or something like that. But it was just kind of like some things were in their favor. And it just, I don't know if necessarily you can say that Taekwondo or karate is so ineffective compared to Jiu Jitsu now, as opposed to like what they were trying to, that message they were trying to get across in the mid nineties. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely stacked. It's, I'm just curious, like, you know, if you look at the card for UFC 1, there's no judo guys, there's no, I mean, there's Ken Shamrock, who's like a wrestler. But yeah, it's just like, the cards were stacked, because I guess the only one who was a threat in terms of grappling to hoist gracie was ken shamrock yeah everyone else was i mean (laughs) i mean we we can kind of we can kind of talk about this or throw in mentions there just since we are talking about hoist gracie i mean ken shamrock was the one ground specialist that he fought but then when you look at the other guys (laughs) i mean there's art jimerson a boxer where and it's like why are you wearing one boxing glove i'm curious though what if what if Hoist Gracie went up against the sumo wrestler? Mm. That uh, would be an interesting match. I, you know, because just because like the huge size difference. Yeah, I would probably still give Hoist the edge, and I I only say that because I know of Hoist's credentials, and right. there was there was that fight he had in two thousand four with a sumo wrestler Akibono and. He won that one, so I guess at the I guess for now I would lean Hoist Gracie. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and but, probably probably that sumo wrestler would probably still have all his teeth if he fought Hoist definitely. Gracie. What do you I don't know, maybe, maybe not, just because 
there was a lot of striking in like that old school Gracie jiu-jitsu style, you know? Yeah, yeah. You but I mean, like I, I'm i thinking of it in the sense of, you know, Gerard Gordeau, that kick that he landed on him. True, was just true. basically, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's weird. There's a whole tangent about UFC 1 that I feel like we could get into or that we could talk about. Um, I don't want to go too much into that. Just me personally, maybe you feel a little differently. I don't want to go too much into that because I feel like the whole UFC one and mythos of Gracie jiu-jitsu or just that kind of discussion, that's another episode in and of itself. Do do you kind of feel the same way? Yeah. Okay. Get you. Okay. But I mean, I don't, and, and also I guess, I kind of want to use this episode or I kind of want to talk about Hoist in a positive light. So I don't really want to get too much into like the negatives. You know, I don't want us to say, Hey, we, we think Hoist Gracie's the 20th greatest fighter in MMA history. And then we're just talking about how, I don't know. Just, just how, Oh, was it was UFC one legit or not? I don't know. Yeah. I, I hear you. I, I just feel like that was probably his most, career defining performance well yeah i i mean yeah well just really anything from 93 to 95 was hoist's most defining part of his career because that basically started it all i mean without without hoist gracie doing what he did i don't think there would be an mma today yeah so you know and 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 i think kind of what we're saying or what we're getting at is that there is some legitimacy to the things that happened in those first few ufcs where hoist was winning it you know um the the like it's not sure there may have been some things that maybe it wasn't like entirely a level playing field but it's not like it was entirely rigged too you know yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about his later performances? Like mm, in the 2000s? Well, I, I, I mean, guess that's des definitely where it's kind of like, oh, it's Hoist. But then the more you kind of saw him, like, well, he only had like one fight in the UFC after that, didn't he? Yeah. That was against Matt Hughes, which a little bit of a fun fact. When he fought Matt Hughes, that was at UFC 60, which is in our backyard of, well, well what what was then known as Staples Center, now Crypto.com Arena. I'm calling it Staples Center. So yeah. <laughs> that was the first UFC card in Staples Center all the way back on May 27th, 2006. And I remember I I, I considered going to that. I, I kind of looked into it a little bit, but... I mean, I was what fourteen at the time, so yeah, I, I was definitely curious, but like, I don't think my parents <laughs> ever let me do anything. <laughs> and that's unfortunate. I mean, for me, it was kind of more of a thing of of uh, it was kind of more of long along the lines of I'm fourteen, I don't have my own money, my parents probably aren't going to spend money for this, and I can't I can't drive, so that kind of limited my options. Yeah. Plus, or, and you need a chaperone, probably. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't. I don't know if they necessarily. I don't know if there was an age limit for UFC events. 
Um, probably wow. if anyone's listening to this, they can let us know if the if they if it was like an 18 and up or 21 and up only or something like that. But I'm pretty sure I've seen kids in UFC events in the past alone where they serve alcohol. Well, no, of I mean, I, I shouldn't be. <laughs> I don't know. I really yeah. don't know. If, I, I mean, if anyone life. has if anyone has info on this, let us know. Um, but like, I think one of the other deterrents is that even back then UFC tickets were really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as far as how he performed in the two thousands, I mean, his fight with Sakuraba is legendary. I mean, yes, you can watch to give you guys, I mean, that in and of itself. And I, I don't know if you remember this, but I talked about how in the early stages when we were coming up, coming up with this podcast, basically doing a reaction to their fight in pride. And the reason why is because this fight is Jesus Christ. You can watch a movie in the time that this fight lasted. I mean, they should make a movie. Well, yes, that too, that too. But it's like, because the way they did it was that basically what happened was that Sakuraba beat one of Hoist's family members. And then from there, there's this the, the first Pride Grand Prix tournament. It was an open weight tournament. And Hoist entered that and he met, he was on the same bracket as Sakuraba. And then when they went into their bouts, they had special rules for their fight. They basically went, it, basically the, the, the premise of, of it was that only the corners could stop the fight and it was an unlimited number of rounds each lasting 15 minutes. That's so crazy. I, I feel like stuff like that would, I think we talked about this, how like, you know, you would never see that anymore nowadays just because in terms of like, advertising and marketing and just attracting viewers into an action-packed sport like nobody would ever do that today unless it's like some weird jujitsu competition or something you know yeah it would have to be some type of jujitsu competition it would have to be outside of regulated mma it would kind of have to be like jujitsu matches in the the 50s how they would just go until somebody couldn't continue or submit it or something like that. But yeah, that is something that you would not see in modern day MMA. There's no way that, I mean, at least in the U S they wouldn't just be, Oh yeah, you guys can fight for, for uh, however long it takes. And each round is 15 minutes. There's no way that would happen today. Yeah. And I think all, this is like the fight that kind of gave Sakuraba his name or his nickname of like the Gracie hunter. Yeah, I recall like he beat Hoyler. Yeah, he did. He beat Hoyler. There was like controversy with that because they were saying that he submitted when he actually didn't. And then that motivated Hoist to come in. And I mean, for pride, they want to set this up because this is a marquee matchup. So they put him in the in the in the same bracket together. And it, once it worked out that they were going to fight in the next round. I mean, that was a money fight for pride. Because yeah, and there there and just because there was a lot of there was a lot of intrigue with that. There was the the it it was kind of like a legacy fight, really, because this was a, a Japanese practitioner versus a Gracie, 
and they were going to do it like they did in the old days where unlimited rounds and let's just see who lasts. I mean, that, yeah, go ahead. I, I also feel like what I was saying earlier, UFC 1 and the subsequent UFCs, Poiler had a huge advantage because nobody really knew the ground game too well. I also feel like the moment he went to Japan, you know, you could kind of see like the limits of of jiu-jitsu or of Gracie jiu-jitsu or of Hoy or uh, of the whole Gracie family just because they just in Japan they have so much more experience with that because of sports like judo, they invented jiu-jitsu basically. Right, so, right. I I kind of like where you're going there. I like that analysis there and that's kind of that's kind of along the same lines of what I guess I was going to suggest is that okay, they they're more familiar with that or like they were more prepared for the Gracies because they knew of ground martial arts like ground-based martial arts disciplines as well. That's what you're getting at, correct? Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's where it all came from, really. Right, right. But just to be clear, like Sakuraba was not a he was oh, not yeah. a judoka practic practitioner. He had more of a base in in catch wrestling and he was actually he he was actually in uh, a pro wrestler as well during his MMA career. So, but I also feel like he probably could find someone with ground game knowledge a lot easier in Japan at that time. Yeah. Than someone in the US could. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean and then when I say that he had a re and when I, I mean that that might have been the case. I mean, I don't know for certain, but that could be the case with Sakuraba, but also when I say that he had more of a wrestling background, he had actual wrestling experience like catch wrestling, not not just professional wrestling. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it all ties in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it ties in in a way, but you know what? I I, I think like wrestlers from back then like pro wrestling in japan has a lot has a lot to do with like catch wrestling like the old school catch wrestling yeah, yeah. i don't know i'm not i'm not too into pro wrestling but i feel like from what little i've seen it's it's less about these weird beefs and this like soap opera drama in Japan. Yeah. And they actually do a lot of like crazy moves and crazy choreography. Yeah. Like. Well, well with Japanese pro wrestling, it is a little bit more of a physical style. It is a, a, a style that's more, I guess, martial arts based or exudes the qualities of martial arts than American based wrestling. But and and like just to be clear catch wrestling is a legit wrestling form it's not just a choreographed thing based on right. what i'm seeing it's 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 a it's it's it involves it's like a hybrid grappling sport basically grappling combat sport so i mean i guess that's that's kind of i guess that would kind of explain or kind of like give the basis for why his I don't I don't even know exactly where I'm going with this to be perfectly honest. Um but my point is that catch wrestling is a legit combat sport. Sakuraba had credentials in that or was trained in it. 
So he had some legitimacy and the skills needed to go up and give the Gracies a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel mean, like after that stint and by the time he tried to come back, well, I guess he only had one fight in the UFC. Yeah, Gracie that was yeah, the that the Matt Hughes UFC 61, that was the only that was the that was the only other time he fought in UFC after that. Yeah. And I mean I I think I think a key thing with that Matt Hughes fight though is that it was just a different it was just a different era. It was just a different time. So how UFC was constructed then didn't suit Hoist's style because he was more of the it's interesting because prior to the Matt Hughes fight, he fought under the conditions of no rules or they were modified rules that kind of suited Hoist's liking. But then once the Matt Hughes fights happens, that was the first fight that he that was the first fight that he had that was under the modern MMA rules of five minutes, three rounds, and all that stuff. And it's kind of interesting because from the Matt Hughes fight to the rest of the fights of his career, they weren't that I like I guess that's the start of when you kind of look at Hoist a little less uh how do, uh, in a in a lower light, I suppose, because the Matt Hughes fight, it just it like I said, it was a different era, so I felt like he didn't perform to his best. The The Sakuraba fight wasn't all that entertaining, or the, the Sakuraba rematch, rather, wasn't all that great of a fight, and then the Ken Shamrock fight in 2016 was farcical. Oh, gosh. I yeah. forgot about that. Well, I, yeah. I mean, you weren't missing much. I mean, it, it ended up being really disappointing. I, that, I remember that was... seeing the ads for it, Cause you know that was around like when Bellator started getting big. Yeah, and honestly, I was like, who would want to watch that? It's just, I don't you know, want to watch two old guys going at it. You know. I mean, I didn't really. I mean, here's the thing: I watched the event. I wasn't watching it because I'm thinking, oh my god, Hoist and Gracie rematching after 20 years. That's that's not why I was watching the event. I, I was watching it just for for the other fights, and it's it's kind of one of those things where. You know, I might as well see the main event and such. Funnily enough, that was the same card that had the Kimbo Slice Dota 5000 fight. Jeez. So, oh, uh, <laughs> so it, yeah, I mean, it's funny because I ended up not watching that fight, but I watched the Hoist Ken fight because I thought, okay, at least with Ken and Hoist, I can respect their accomplishments and their, their pedigree and all that stuff. So I didn't feel weird about watching it where if I watched Kimbo and Dada, I felt like I'm supporting the circus freak show fight. I feel like that whole card was, I mean, like yes, to be fair. Yes. To be fair. That was kind of a, a freak show fight too, to have Ken at what was it? 52 against Hoist after 20 years since their last fight. I mean, that, that was, I mean, there's a circus fight with there. I mean, I don't know. I, it was kind of a weird, it was kind of a weird card and I'm not really sure what my line of thinking was, but I don't know. I just, I guess between the two, I may have thought that, okay, 
between the two, I can stomach watching Hoist and Ken more so than Kimbo and Tata. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I feel like that Matt Hughes fight though. Let's go back to that. Yes, yes. Let's stay. I don't think on didn't it. he get knocked out in the first round? No. Well, it was a no. first round finish, but it was a TKO from punches. So, oh, okay. What happened was that Matt took Hoist down, and basically it was all Matt top control, Matt Hughes top control from there. There was at one point he was trying to get a Kimura submission on him, and one of the things that stands out for me is that the look on Hoist's face as Matt was getting that Kimura on, it, it was, I mean, he looked like he was just checking his mail because he, Matt is literally cranking on his arm and Hoist is just like, like I said, like if you were pouring coffee in the morning, which is what I did this morning because we're recording in the morning. <laughs> I'm sure part of that is like that don't tap to anything mentality you know you right that i mean maybe but i mean i guess i i kind of viewed it and like i guess the way i sort of view it is that this is something he's so used to and he's been around this so many times and because basically his family invented jujitsu and he's part of that family he's seen it all so when somebody is cranking on a submission like that, that's why he's able to stay so calm. I mean, that was my interpretation of it. But, it well, let me ask you this. That interpretation that you just mentioned, was that what you were thinking at the time or nowadays? I feel like more nowadays because at the time, I definitely... You bought into the mythos of oh, Gracie's? Yeah, I definitely bought into that mythos. I Just because... The 2000s was kind of like the start of that, like decline, not decline, but like the demystifying. Well, well, I, I, all the Gracies. Well, I think that's that, I think that sort of goes into the point that I was trying to make just a moment ago is that from the Matt, because, okay, when we go to the Matt Hughes fight, he had that and then two other fights after that. Those three fights were under more modern MMA rule sets and 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 uh, I guess rules and time limits, for lack of a better term. So that kind of I guess that didn't allow Hoist to showcase his skills, and like that's why he didn't. Because I don't know, going into UFC 60 in the Matt Hughes fight, I was viewing Hoist as this invincible person. And this is a guy who created the sport. So, of course, he's going to be able to beat Matt Hughes. But then when I saw replays of the fight later, because I didn't watch it in real time, I was just kind of like, oh, he didn't really perform all that well. And I think this all just goes into the I think this really just goes into the fact that the the modern MMA rule set and and time limits and all that, that doesn't suit the the Gracie style. Yeah, but then he got stopped in the first round. I mean, you know. And what? I guess you could say, oh, you know. I mean, they had referee stoppages back in UFC 1 too. So right. Well, yeah, but. That. Well, but the thing is, is that, that, you know, a lot of the Gracies will say that they need time. They need time to cook. They need time to kind of get their style or kind of like to get their how do I say like offense going for lack of a better phrase. 
So it's like if you only if if you have an an unlimited amount of time to do that and there's no rounds, it's like okay, I can be patient and I'll I'll get a submission eventually. But if a fight is only five minutes, then I mean that's a lot shorter of a time to work with. That is so flawed in a sport aspect and also a self-defense aspect too mm, okay so just not, to be clear know, just to be clear just to be yeah, clear yeah. it's not exactly what i'm arguing it's just no, i've totally, heard them totally, say I that in the past yeah i i get that uh-huh but it's it, just i i think it continues into like the modern understanding of self-defense mm-hmm. and mma as a sport too that those two things just do not fly anymore nowadays you know hmm i see i see i'm i'm in just like nobody is gonna watch a fight that's you know 45 minutes long no yeah. one's gonna do that anymore well and well also in like a self-defense scenario if you're taking like 45 minutes to like protect yourself from one dude that's also taking way too long you know what i mean well, but the the giving yourself time to cook, that's about a fight, not necessary. Well, but then again, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was about to say that it's like giving yourself time to cook is OK within the context of a fight, not necessarily like, hey, somebody's jumping you and all that stuff. But then again, you know, well, then it's a sport fight and no one's what I, I think that's part of the problem with like modern jujitsu is they're trying to find a rule set that's appealing to everybody you know that like normal people who don't do too much jujitsu won't get bored watching but also that makes sense rule wise where like you're not gonna have you're not gonna have like a stall fest between people exploiting the rules you know yes but but what you're talking about is like making jujitsu more like appealing and more entertaining for people to watch is that kind of what you're getting at yeah i mean i it's like a whole thing nowadays with like combat jujitsu and all these other weird jujitsu leagues you know i'm i'm noticing a lot of from having this discussion about hoist gracie it's leading into a lot of different i i guess it's leading into a lot of other side topics some that i didn't foresee coming but then also they're kind of related to some episodes that some episode ideas I have for the future where it's like, okay, we talk about the mythos of UFC one. How would Hoist? Uh, uh, how, how do I want to phrase this? Even if it was the old, the old day, the old rule set of MMA, like UFC one would Hoist beat the modern day people. And then there's also the, the an idea that I've had or what I've wanted to discuss with you as far as if MMA rounds should be longer. Uh, that's that's something that's kind of run in my head for the last year and a half. But I don't want to get too much into that because those are completely different tangents. It just it's I don't know. I just find it fascinating that we're talking about this stuff and that these things are coming up as we're talking about Hoist. Well. It all came from him. <laughs> right, right. Well, but I, mean... I also think like it, it also relates to our Bruce Lee discussion, you know. Okay. In uh, like, in what sense? Whereas anybody nowadays would all 
obviously mopped the floor with like a 1969 Bruce Lee. Likewise, any modern fighter, any top 10 contender would probably mop the floor with Hoist Gracie if Mm -hmm. they're fighting like UFC 1 or UFC 5 Hoist Gracie, you know? Yeah. So what do you feel like? So for instance, going into like like Hoist's fight against Matt Hughes, I kind of equate that as that was a different era with completely different conditions. So that's why he was unsuccessful. But I guess in your opinion and I guess your knowledge, why do you feel like the fight went the way it did where Matt Hughes just looks so dominant? It's different era. I wouldn't say it's the rule set. It's just the sport evolved so much. And and like people got more familiar with the yeah, ground game. It caught up to him. I mean, think about like 2000. When was that fight? 2006. 2006. Like by then, Yuri had like strike, like competent strikers who could make it in the UFC mm-hmm. with minimal wrestling skills, you know? Yeah. And then you also have wrestlers who are just totally dominating because they had that wrestling base and then they just add in their the jujitsu submission game and they learn how to work off their backs as well. So there's a totally different era at that point. You know what? This whole thing kind of brought up like an interesting discussion or it kind of kind of got me thinking is that I wonder if wrestling was the style that Hoist struggle with and when I look at for instance his losses to Matt Hughes and Kazushi Sakuraba they had a base in wrestling and then even back in the day when he fought Dan Severn that was a guy who gave him a lot of problems and I think it's just because yeah yeah, but like Dan Severn especially because once again this was a different time period but that that fight against Dan Severn that fight lasted almost 16 minutes longer than any other fight that he had up to that point. Yeah. So it, it, I I think it's because the wrestling, you know, since that's another ground based discipline. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. right. I, I think, I mean, just look at him in Japan, you know, he wasn't as dominant as he was in the U S and again, I think it's just because a lot of, a lot of people in there's a lot of people doing judo and jujitsu in Japan, which is grappling arts. And then also, you know, they got a bunch of wrestlers too in Japan. So it's, yeah, you're going to have people who are going to give you a lot more people who are going to give you problems compared to the U S right. Right. But I mean, I think, you know, it's, but it doesn't take away from the accomplishments. Oh no. That, that Hoist had or has because it all started with him. And I think the reason why we have him at number 20 is because, you know, yeah, he is a pioneer. He was the, the, the winner of the first, he he was winner of the tournaments in UFC one, two, four, and, I don't know. For me, when I think about the Mount Rushmore of MMA, who would be on my Mount Rushmore? For me, I would put Hoist Gracie on there just because, like, 
he you can't have if if there's no hoist gracie there's no mma right i definitely feel like he's probably he's probably one of the very few if not the only like old school fighters quote unquote that deserves to be on like any lists comparing him with like modern fighters uh-huh yeah. okay and why do you well i mean this might be a little bit of a dumb question but what's your line of thinking when you make a claim like that it's i mean like i said before it was like the wild wild west back then like he didn't mm -hmm. even know i mean i'm sure he knew who he's going up against you know because it's all kind of not pre-planned but they had a good idea of yeah who exactly exactly but like as a viewer it was just like oh what random dude is he gonna fight next you know and just i guess just having like just making it through all these random fights you know right of not knowing what you're really going up against and well, yeah, because prevailing. because just to just so in case anyone's unfamiliar, these tournaments that Hoist won, these were one night tournaments. So it's not like, hey, right. I it's not like, hey, he beat Art Jimison and then in two, two months, he's going to fight Ken Shamrock. It was all that's just true too. you figured yeah. out on the night. So so like that, like that's part of the appeal or part of the shtick that you're talking about where he he you know, you're thinking, who is he going to fight next? Yeah. And so sorry, go I, ahead. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it's just like that that deserves some recognition, even though that'll never be seen again. And technically, like compared to today's fighters, like you know, not even close in terms of like although he was pretty technical, I will say, like. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, showed, that's the thing about showed, it. Like how to work off your back, you know, yeah. he had very dominant top control when he ever, whenever he did get on top, like mm -hmm. those are just like some basic principles that like people still need to know today, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing that we kind of need to discuss is that okay hoist doesn't have any major MMA titles and he, okay. You look at the line of, uh, people that he competed against you know but it, it's like there's a different measuring stick there you you can't compare him to 2023 mma as far as accomplishments it's it it's just that there was it was a totally different like basically okay the reason why basically what i'm getting at the reason why you can't give him the same why you can't use the same measuring sticks as 2023 is because there was nothing there in the early 90s so like you basically you have to create something out of nothing. There was no MMA there. And then it happened once the Gracies and UFC one happened. Yeah. So it, it's just, just the fact that he was like a pioneer and one of the first, like, I feel like he deserves to be on that. Yeah. List. Yeah. And, and I it, mean, it's, he it's has like no striking whatsoever. <laughs> it, it, it's just you, you know when's the last time we saw i mean i think we talked about it too in one of our past episodes like when's the last time you really saw like a pure grappling guy just in like top contention you know 
I mean, there's, I mean, there's uh, Damian Maya, who was basically, he was a specialist who competed for a title eventually. Um, there was Habib, who was a very ground. yeah, but they could throw some punches and kicks, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like maybe I would say I would say Habib more so than Damian Maya, only because Habib, we saw some of his striking, and he was training with AKA. I mean that. It's American Kickboxing Academy. If you can't learn how to strike there, then I don't know what to say. I you'd be surprised. I feel like. Okay, is that is that throwing shade at AKA or is that no, just it's just throwing shade at some really non-athletic people? Ah, sometimes. okay, okay, okay. Fair enough. I mean, enough. I teach I teach like a kickboxing class, and sometimes there are people who have been there for like years, and I'm just like. Come on, man. <laughs> you know, my retorts. See, OK, my retorts to that would have been in the past. Like, OK, if you have a if you have a gym called American Kickboxing Academy that produces champions like Cain Velasquez, Habib, Daniel Cormier, Luke Rockhold and all that stuff, you would have to learn some striking. But then again, if you have a non-athletic person or someone who's not skilled at that, then it's kind of like, yeah, it doesn't matter. But I mean, and and like, here's the thing is that Hoist Gracie like ranks highly in my book too. That's why he was one of the people that I said, okay, I can concede and have Hoist Gracie in our collective top 20 for this list. But uh, like, and, and he just missed the top 20 for me. He would be in the top 30 because I feel like, okay, if you have someone who basically invented it, you have to show the respect of the pioneer and the one who started it all. So that's why you're going to, that's why we would include him in here. Also a little bit of a, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I'm just thinking, wouldn't what? you agree that Hickson is better than Hoist? Skill wise, I would say, yeah. What? It's it's interesting. So why, 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 why are you? On the, I'm just so if that's the case, why does Hoist beat out Hickson on this list? I guess it's just because like the like there's not much of a. I mean, like okay, let me let me make it clear with Hickson Gracie. He's very skilled at jujitsu. He was, was undefeated in his MMA career, and everyone says that Hickson was better than Hoist. It, it, it's almost like Hickson should have been, should have had the kind of like prestige and positioning that Hoist has. But the thing about it is like the reason why I kind of like, the reason why I don't have the same opinion about Hickson is just because like, I don't know, part of it is that what there's not much of a measuring stick there because it's like all the people that he competed with against an MMA, it's kind of like, okay, there's no like track record for them. And it just like, okay, you went 11 and Oh, but like, would that have been the case if you fought like the elite of the people or like the, the highest level of people? I mean, I think he would do well, but I don't know if he would be undefeated or just like the type of people that are, were around in the late nineties and the early two thousands, how would he fare against them where 
on the flip side with Hoist Gracie, okay, he has some names on his record that we can use as a little bit of a measuring stick, like Shamrock, Sakuraba, and Dan Severn. But for 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 Hickson, all there is really is Funaki. That's kind of my line of thinking. Yeah. I mean, I agree. <laughs> I, I was mean, just curious, like, what your thought process was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of my thought process. It's just, like, it's not so much that I don't think that Hickson was skilled and that he was really good. It's just that, like, I don't know what to make of his... I don't know what to make of his record. Right. You know, it's kind of like... Yeah, you know, I don't want it's 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 basically like a what if scenario with Hickson. But yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Based on what you're saying, maybe I do need to consider, you know. Well, because my thinking, so you know, when we were discussing our list, I kind of had Hickson on this top twenty list above Hoist, and that's what I was thinking. I was like, okay, even though. There's a bunch of controversy between in in like Hickson's like MMA record because it's like who the hell are these guys he's fighting, you know, really? Right. Everybody it's like he was the more skilled uh Gracie at the time, you know. Yes. Yes. But you know, it, it's like part of that too. I'm just like could part of that also be like you know, like higher rank fear? You know, you know, like I mean, you right because Hicks and Gracie. Sometimes had when the... you roll with a black belt, you're kind of like, oh, he's gonna beat me anyways. Like you don't go for it as much. Right, right. I mean, like if based... you're rolling with your coach. Right, and if you look at and maybe I should maybe one day I'll share this photo, but there was like a photo of uh, Hicks and Gracie in a magazine that he literally had like a red belt with all these like white straps on there and there would just oh, be yeah, one the, the coral belt yeah and it would that would be one of and that'd be one of those instances where I'd look at that and I'm like oh shit like just because it's like dude there's how the fuck are you gonna beat this guy um so maybe that's also a little bit of the intimidation factor there yeah so, so I I get I get what you're saying I don't know. I mean, but it's it, interesting, yeah, to see your thought process of like, well, outside of that, he never really fought anybody of note. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's probably something that we're gonna like figure out as we go through this, through this list right here. But the one thing that I will also add another, I mean, another accomplishment or a thing that Hoyce has is that. He was the first inductee in the UFC Hall of Fame. When you look at when you look at all these inductees and how they make it a big deal and all that stuff, he was the first one and he was inducted in 2003. So, that was a another uh, I guess that's another way he was kind of a pioneer, but I mean, it, well, I guess it it's, it would be fair to say that Hoyce and Ken got inducted at the same time, but I mean, as far as first inductees, how could you not have Hoyce as the first one? Yeah, yeah. How can so, not have Ken? <laughs> yeah, that too. That, that's a good point. And like I, and you know, kind of like what I was saying earlier is that this is. I mean, some of this stuff is going to be interesting to like talk about, just because it's kind of brought up like side conversations that I would like to get into. But I think for Hoist, we'll we'll just leave it at that. But 
before we wrap this episode up is that I just was saying that like, yeah, we're going to go through our, our collective top 20 list for the podcast and we're going to, you know, it's just 20. So not every episode from here on out is going to be us doing our, our greatest ever. We'll, we'll splice in some other episodes in the meantime, but it's all, it's all building up to eventually when we talk about our number one best ever, which will be episode 100. I'm sure longtime listeners will know who our number one is. <laughs> well, maybe. maybe, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll need to sit down and kind of settle on our list right there. Um, but you know, just uh, for things to come, keep an eye on it. So maybe the next episode we do, we'll do, we'll talk about a, who's ranked at number 19 for us, or we'll talk about a different uh, subject, but time will tell, but yeah, that's pretty much it for us on the Unified Rules of Podcast. Edmund, was there anything you wanted to to say? No. Okay, cool. So thanks, guys, for taking the time to listen to this. I hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what your thoughts are on it. Please give us a, a review on Spotify, Apple Podcast. If you want to reach out or find us, we're on Twitter at Unified Rules PO1. We're on Instagram at Unified Rules Podcast. And then if you have any questions or inquiries, you can email us at Unified Rules Podcast at gmail.com. All right, everybody. Take care. Have a good day. Have a good night.